This is the most powerful, most intense, practical application and skill development training anywhere. You'll learn how to stay strong in your calling, have a quality life, and build a tremendous lasting work for God. Introducing Dr. Dean Ratke, the founder and CEO of the Ministry Institute and the Maximum CEO Basic Training. But now we're going to talk about process. And if you'll turn now to the page with the triangle, and we're going to look at the process that God showed me. The process that God taught me in the world system, but then he made it that much more valuable when we coupled it with his word, with his word. So the three things that we're going to call this process first, before I begin to diagram it, but up in the upper left-hand corner up here, don't write close to the triangle, but up in here, I want you to write three things. To save time, I won't write them, but I want you to write three things in your notebook. The first thing I want you to write is the total involvement process. That's what we're going to call it, the total involvement process. That's the first thing we're going to call this. It's a process. It's a process. Total Why is it the total involvement process? Because it totally involves your team. It totally involves their teams. It totally involves all the teams, as deep as you build them, as rapidly as you can. So, every, in other words, everybody in the ministry works this process, not just the pastor and a few people, not just pastor and Aaron and her, but everybody works this process. Everybody has to learn to work this process. Now, the world system knows how to work this process. They do it all the time. But we have certain advantages in this process, which we'll get to in a second. The second thing I want you to call it is the empowerment process. The empowerment process. Again, a process, but it's a process of empowerment. Empowering people to take hold of the vision, contribute to the building of the vision and accomplishing the vision, empowering them to do that. And the third thing we're going to call it is the Proverbs process. The Proverbs process. Just to embellish the empowerment thing just very quickly, they did a survey or a research project, and they took a group of people like this. They divided the room in half, and they gave them all the same assignment. They said, your assignment, is, here's a bunch of pages of riddles and proofreading and puzzles and things you have to solve and things you have to edit, copy edit, and they're all mixed into this booklet, and they gave everybody the same stuff. And, but the only difference in the whole thing was that this side of the room here, oh, and then in the background, they played music, and they had like four or five elements of music playing at the same time. So we had rap dancing going, and then roosters crowing, and then they had uh, street noise, and they had jackhammers, and I don't know what else, okay? A mess, okay? Chaos, crisis. And so they, and that, and that was playing for everybody in the background. Same assignment, same background noise. This group over here, they gave a button. And they said, if you need to, press it, and it'll cut out the background noise. Okay? That's the only difference. This group had the button. They, then they checked the results. This group did five times more effectively than that group. But they didn't use the button. No one used the button. 
They were just empowered. They had control over the situation. That's empowerment. Total involvement process, empowerment process, Proverbs process, the Proverbs process. Why do we call it the Proverbs? Well, let me talk about what the process is first, and then I'll read you some scriptures. This is a process now. It's not, it, we're off of positioning, we're on a process. This is what you have to work. This is how you build your ministry. I'm going to show you the concept here, and then tomorrow I'm going to show you how to do it in real time with real people on real issues for a really awesome God. A process to, for ministry growth. This is how you build. This is how you accomplish God's mandates. This is how you instill commitment, the thing we just talked about. This is how you build trust. This is how you build relationship and partnership with the people that you work with day in and day out. This is a management shift away from command and control, barking out orders, a dictatorship, just controlling and manipulating people and stomping on them, you know, like this. This is, this is the antithesis of that. This, of that. this is... about transforming people in the process of doing transactions. So it's, you're becoming a trans, you have to become a transformational leader as well as a transactional leader. This is how you develop people. This is how you cultivate an environment where people flourish and do their best. This is how you survive. This is how you create a learning culture in any other culture you're gonna gonna create. And we listed those earlier. This is how you tear down boundaries and build unity. This is how you tap into the brains and the wisdom of everybody, the wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge of everybody. This is how you apply leverage to building your ministry, leveraging people, your greatest asset. People are actually not your greatest asset. Great people are. Otherwise, you're spending all your time with high-maintenance, low-productivity people. So it's not just people. It's competent people. And it's the Proverbs process. Why do we call it the Proverbs process. Well, let me share with you a few Proverbs. These are all Proverbs. Proverbs 1.5. This will help you understand about the process and why we call it the Proverbs process. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So this is where you acquireth wise counsel. I'm just giving you the concept here this afternoon. Tomorrow we'll learn how to apply it. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, the people fail. So this is where you provide guidance. This is where you cast the vision. This is where you make it clear, make it plain. This is where you tell them what results God wants and how God wants us to behave. Where there is none of that, people fail. Or where it isn't done well, people fail. But in an abundance of counselors, plural, more than one, abundance of counselors, there's victory. Victory, an abundance. Not somebody who thinks like you, you know, one of your buddies who'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. That's what they, they asked uh, Ann McCullough. They said, for 10 grand, what was the most important thing you learned? You got to surround yourself with critics and people who will speak the truth into your life. That's why they're next to you. That's why they're here. That's why they're on your team. And you need to, you need to have enough emotional maturity to receive it. Proverbs 15, 22 and 23. Without consultation, plans are frustrated. This is the consultation model. 
process. But, without, but with many counselors, they succeed. Plural, again, a man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. You want an apt answer and a timely word is where you get it. But there's an art to getting it. We have to learn how to get it, how to pull, how to mine the rich deposits that are in the people that God's entrusted to you. 1215, all Proverbs. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Well, this is where you hearkeneth. 1815, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas, new ideas. Open to new ideas, not yours anymore, new ideas. An intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. This is where you look for them, and this is where you find them. This is where you cultivate them. 1813, what a shame, yes, how stupid. I didn't write this. Yet what a shame, yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. You make decisions and you don't have all the facts. You're just busy in ministry. You don't have the facts. You don't know that, but we're busy. That's not the criteria for success. So you have to get the facts. I think we hit that hard enough. Get, and then 2323, get the facts at any cost, at any price. Get them at any price. Well, this is where you get them, right here. And hold tightly to all the good sense you can get. That's the process. Get the facts at any price and hold tightly to all the good sense you can get. That's how you reinvent your ministry. You take the facts at any price, get them at any price, and apply common sense to those facts and turn them into, mobilize it into reinventing your ministry. That's how you grow. That's how you build. And look, this, this team right here, this isn't the maintenance team. This is the building team. Let's, have, let's get a mindset here and tell them we're builders here. Don't bring maintenance issues into this meeting. I don't deal with maintenance. I'm into macro. It's not, it's not about being prideful. It's just that's your assignment. You're moni monitoring what God needs. They should be able to figure out their own needs. Get the facts at any price. Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. High levels of achievement take place when the CEO invests time and emotional energy in building your ministry, building your people to build your ministry. And you grow your ministry one meeting at a time. Tomorrow we're going to talk about how you design meetings, how you facilitate meetings, how you work this process in real time. But let's, let's diagram the process here first. This is not a chain of command. The funnels are a chain of command. The boxes there are a chain of command. This is a process. Nevertheless, God is at the apex of this process. That's a huge advantage that we have. Let's use it. Let's capitalize on it. Here on the right is you, the leader. Anybody in this room. Whenever you're leading, you're here. And over here on the left is the team. And we work with teams, not individuals. And let me just tell you this. You want to get to the point where you run your entire ministry from one meeting with one team. That's how it works. That's how you survive. That's how you're free. That's how you protect your anointing. That's how you survive. That's how you can do what you're called to do. 
you can do it. it. It may seem absolutely impossible, but you talk to these partners, and there's ones that have been working it for a bit. They run the entire ministry from one meeting with your team. That's the objective. Not all these ad hoc meetings. I meet with this group on Thursday from 2 to 6 and this group over here on Friday nights from 9 to 10 and all that stuff. Now, you have to do some of that when you have volunteers. But if you work this process, you'll be building staff. You'll be, and then, you're, then you're, your learning curve and your building curve will take off. And we'll discuss that more tomorrow. But who principally in ministry would God speak to? Who principally would he speak to? The leader, right. So the, he will principally want to speak to the leader. He needs a leader that's listening. Or he needs a leader that isn't so uptight and anxious that he couldn't hear his still small voice. So we need, he'll speak principally to the leader, and it's incumbent upon you, we already established this, but it's incumbent upon you to have the right communication, partnership, and relationship with God. I mean, we've got to establish that. And we've got to make sure that that happens. And it doesn't happen if you're you're doing other people's work. It doesn't happen to the degree that it should. It's like, you know, God, look, I, <laughs> we got another crisis, and I got this meeting in 10 minutes. You know, you got anything? Hurry, come on. We're busy down here. You got anything? Or when you're with them, you know, you, your attention span is the first minute or 45 seconds, and then your mind drifts off to all the problems and the chaos and the crisis. You're not hearing him. So we have to keep this strong. We're going to assume that that's strong. That's a big assumption, given I told you it was a five or a six over there. Big assumption. But is, God the, is the leader the only one that God would speak to? No. He'll speak to whomever he has to to speak to the leader. So that's why we work like this. So, yeah, he will be speaking to the team. And it's incumbent upon the team, leaders, it's incumbent upon you to have the right relationship with God. Not just the pastor. Let him figure it out, and I'll do whatever he says. No, if we're going to work this process, you've got to be hearing from God. And so it's incumbent that you have communication, partnership, and relationship with God as well. And that's a huger assumption than this one, that those two legs of the triangle are strong. But they have to be strong. Because what we're going to do on the third leg of the triangle is predicated, the success is predicated on the strength of this. That would be a good place for an amen. Thank you. This is critical. I mean, who wants to serve a, an ungodly leader or a leader that's just coming up with good ideas? You know, he's coming up with how to build the ministry in the natural. I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to submit a portion of your life, a worship God by serving him for a leader that doesn't listen to God and doesn't hear from God and doesn't do what God says to the best of his ability? No, you wouldn't. And do you want to be, a leader doesn't want to be unequally yoked with a bunch of people that don't worship, don't pray, don't read the word, don't hear God? So let's assume these two are healthy, but they're not. They're not as healthy as they need to be, but we got to move on. Now, what's left? This leg of the triangle. So I submit to you the same thing he established here and established here. He wants here. He wants communication, godly communication, between the leader and his team, and between the team and the leader. He wants godly communication. He wants to also, and I covered this 
a number of times already, but this is where he wants us to build partnership and relationship with those that we're going to work with. Partnership and relationship with those that we're going to work with. Communication, partnership, and relationship. The same thing he has established on these two legs of the triangle. I ask pastors, I say, sir, where is your communication? How effective is your communication? Oh, well, it, it, it's probably a five or a six also. Maybe more like a five. They don't seem to get it. I said, well, if they don't get it, you're not giving it. Because if you give good direction, they get it. That's what we're going to learn on Saturday. You give good direction, they get it. Believe me, they get it. There's an art to doing it. I didn't know how to do it. That's why I was so miserable at Grand Central State. I didn't know how to do that. And God taught me. Before I was saved, he taught me. I didn't know he was teaching me, but then. Okay, but, but I, I said, Pat, so it's because you're not giving it. I went to a Bible study once. A friend in Phoenix wanted me to come to the, meet some of his pastor friends, and I went over to the west side. He said it's on the west side. It seemed like it was halfway to L.A. But, it, but we, we went, I went to the meeting, and, and he said, I want you to meet my pastor friends. And uh, they're a precious group of men and women. And would you come sometime when you're home? And I said, sure, and this happened to be the day. And so we're heading over. We're, we're there, and I, I, uh, the, the meeting gets started. Actually, well, I'll tell you about that tomorrow. But the meeting got started, and the, the first guy that stood up, apparently two guys always got up, and they prayed, they shared testimonies and so forth, ministered one another, fellowship. But the first fellow that got up, the first pastor that got up, he said, he, and I guess, you know, he taught for maybe 15, 20 minutes. But I never met him before, and he'd never been to one of the trainings. But he said, he said, I used, before I was a pastor, I was an army ranger. I was in the special forces, like, you know, the Navy SEALs, Army Ranger. And he said our primary mission was to infiltrate behind the enemy lines and cut off the communication between the leader and his people. And if we could cut off the communication between the leader and his people, we had half the battle won. And that's exactly what the devil is doing in ministry. He has cut off effective communication between the leader and his people, the team. He's successfully done that. I ask pastors, I say, you know, how do you run your meetings? What do you do? Well, you know, mostly what we do now is email. I said, you're building your ministry through email? I mean, email is a wonderful tool. It's good for research reports. It's good for uh, document uh, action, uh, action items. It's good for, you know, minutes and to summarize certain things. But you, how do you spirit storm through email? And it's, it's pretty much, I said, have you, ever, have you ever seen anybody build a house through email? Nobody goes to the site, no eyeball to eyeball. You know, I'd love to see a picture of a house built through email. How are you going to build a ministry through email? It has its great advantages. But we just established earlier that it's about personal relationship. Over 50% of communication is body language. There's none in email. Well, you know, we do have meat. I mean, we do meat. I said, oh, good. Well, when you do meat, what do you do? Well, you know, I mean, I just go in and say, you know, anybody have any needs? I said, what are you, a masochist? Anybody have any needs? Of course they have needs. Remember the last need? You know, you were up here preaching. 
Usually they have a ficus tree up here or something, you know. I don't know what kind of church this is, but we don't have a ficus tree. But, but you are preaching, you know, and, and uh, you're flailing around up here, and you bang into the tree, and the dust falls down, you know, on you. And then after that, I want that platform cleaned up. I see apple cores in the back there, and, you know, and the dust falling down. You know, I want that thing cleaned. Okay, so then we come and meet the next time, and anybody have any need? Yeah, Pastor. We were just wondering how you'd feel about this. Do you, did you feel like it would be better if we got like the five-foot ladder and reached up? Or do you think it would be, would you feel better if it was an eight-foot ladder and we kind of reached in to dust it? You know, what do you think? Now, I'm being a bit demeaning, but I tell you, I'm not too far from, I don't have to make the, I don't have to make these up, okay? And I won't point to the people where I learned them, okay? But... I don't, have to make, I don't have to make this stuff up, but it, it's not much for... So, come on. What is it? God has needs. Your job is to go to the meeting and make sure God's needs get met. They can figure out that stuff, and the maintenance stuff, you teach them and train them and develop them to figure that stuff out so that this meeting is nothing but what God needs. And then you're going to get something done for him, and he's going to be well-pleased. So we have to keep this strong. We have to keep this strong, and it's through a partnership and relationship. So, okay, so if that's so important, what do we do here? How do we communicate? What do we do? We do our job description. That's it. We do this right here, right there. So another, what, what do I mean? Well, what do we do in this meeting? What, you're providing direction. Then... You're obtaining, whether it's that day or down the road, the next time we meet or two meetings from now, you're obtaining plans, ideas, and recommendations. From who? From them. Then you're commissioning the work. You're approving what they just submitted. And if you can't approve it, then number four, you're coaching for success. You're telling them why you can't approve it. You're not fixing it for them. You're simply coaching them and telling them why you cannot approve it. It's a learning opportunity for them. You clearly explain it, sitting down with the team, why you can't approve it. Now they've learned something. Now they start thinking more like you. This is how we develop satellite CEOs all over the ministry. You can't approve it, then you have to redirect it. So you simply redirect it. You give them redirection, on, and you tell them why you can't. Maybe you can approve it. Then tell them why it's approvable so they learn from that. And then they, you obtain from them. So in other words, they provide, or you obtain from them, evaluation. So what you approved here, up here, what you approved, they're now coming back and giving you a report on how we're doing, how we're achieving. Here's the progress we made. Here's the, where I messed up, because they're honest. I messed up. I forgot this. I didn't do what you told me to do, Pastor, but I'm going to get it fixed, and I'm going to get it caught up. I'm going to get it changed. They're honest. They're giving you honest evaluation. You've got to have honesty in your ministry, learning and honesty. And I'll coach on how you, since coaching, teaching, training, and where is it here, is so important, and honesty is so important, I'll model that for you, probably tomorrow. I don't know, maybe today. But wherever it comes out. But, but it's, it's, I want you to know how to do this. I, I want you to see how it's done. But you do your job description here. That's it. 
That's it. Nothing more, nothing. There's nothing in there. You see anything up there that says problem solving? You see anything up there about long-winded discussions? You see anything about they dump on you and they come to the meeting and dump all their questions and stuff on you? No. Look, let's establish one thing here. Let's do it over here. This is real important for you to catch. Questions go down and answers come up. You ask the questions, they provide the answers. Nobody comes to this meeting and asks you a question. Now that may sound so foreign to you, and it'll certainly be foreign to them because we haven't trained them this way. But nobody comes to this meeting and asks a question. If I went into my boss out there, or you went into your boss out there, many of you that are working in the world system, and you went in every day asking him questions, he would pretty quickly come to the conclusion that what are we paying this person for? They don't have any solutions, no answers. So people don't come to these meetings with questions. And this is going to take a change. It's going to take a change on your part and theirs. They're going to continue to do it until you say, don't ever pull that on me again. Don't come in here and ask me questions without a solution, without an answer. And, but you're going to have to work on you because you've been saving the day for so long that you're going to answer the questions. You're going to answer them before you catch yourself. And let somebody on your team say, Pastor, there you go again. Why? Because you, you care. You're compassionate. You want to get this thing done. But you're jumping into the fray and you're cheating them and stealing from their opportunity to grow. So stop it. Don't do that. Questions go down. You're going to see how that plays out. I'm going to show you. We're going to spend a good half an hour on questions, the art of asking questions. It's one of the greatest tools that you have as a leader, and it's one of the things you have to learn to refine and perfect. Any good leader will tell you that. Asking the right question at the right time to the right person about the right issue is critical, and you'll become skillful at it. You won't be very good initially if you haven't been doing it. But you must become skillful, and we'll work on that. But there's nothing in here about answering questions, solving problems, long-winded discussions. Okay, now, why, so what, how do we get an apt answer? How do we get a timely word, the stuff we just read in Proverbs? How do you get that? You've got to ask a question, right? I just said questions. Well, we'll let's, let's get it started here. You have to ask questions. You say, I can't do that. I can't ask a question. I'm the leader. I'm supposed to know everything. Well, you're the only one deceived. It's, it's, and I said this once before, but it is, isn't it fun working for a know-it-all? No, you can have emotional maturity. You have to know everything. Let people around you that are smarter than you. Let other people offer wisdom to you. you have to, but you have to have EQ, emotional maturity. You have to have enough inner self-confidence to receive what they're telling you. You don't have to know everything. How are you going to get an apt answer or a timely word unless you ask a question? You say, okay, all right, I buy that. I'll humble myself and ask some questions. Okay. Well, in, but then your next question is, going, well, what do they have over there that I don't have? You know, I mean, I'm the leader. God made, <laughs> I'm the main number uno here. You know, what do they know? Well, nothing much now because you haven't taught them anything. But they actually have a whole lot in there. You just haven't mined it. Let me say it that way. 
You have, so what do they have over here that you don't have when you ask questions? Well, one, for one, they're closer to the facts. They're closer to the sheep. They're closer to the action. They're down there in the trenches, closer to the trenches. They have the facts. They see things you don't see. Now, there's two kinds of facts. One is this one. This is a quantitative fact. It's a quantity, 10 to 15% or 80 in the youth group, whatever. It's a quantity. Those are quantitative facts, and we need those. We need those key indicators. That's one kind of a fact here. One is quantity, quantitative. The other, there's another kind of fact, and it's equally important, if not more so. What's that? A qualitative fact. A qualitative fact. What's that? A qualitative fact is what people see and think and feel. It's what you, sister, see and think and feel. It's what you, brother, see and think and feel. It's what you, pastor, see and think and feel. And you, sister, what you see and think. And what I see and think and feel. And what you, pastor. We're not going to agree. We're going to see things differently. We're not going to agree. We're going to have a different perspective on things. We're going to have a different set of facts. The quantitative facts we may agree on, although they, those could vary too from various points of view or various perspectives. But perspective, different perspective. Here, you're supposed to be up here. You're the eagle. You're supposed to see far and wide. You know, eagles can see, I don't know what it is, a dime a quarter mile away or something. Okay, so it's a quarter, whatever, it's pretty good. They can see a long, long way, okay? You're an eagle. That's why you have those eagle statues in your office and the pictures of the eagles on the wall. You are one. You're an eagle. You've got to have the macro perspective. You're not a barnyard chicken down here pecking, groveling around in minutia. You're not a barnyard chicken. You're an eagle. You were designed to be one. You were ordained to be one. And your perspective is this. So what are we doing here? Well, they're closer to the action. Closer. We're matching perspective, but godly perspective, not natural perspective, godly perspective. We're matching perspective here, yours and theirs. That's safety. That's what we have to have. You don't see everything they see, and they don't see what you see. But the more we do this together, we come together in what we see. And that's, why you, that's how you recreate yourself. That's how you incuse yourself into them. So a different education, a different walk with Jesus, a different culture, all those differences. You, 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 we can keep going here. I don't have time. You understand, there's differences. They, so what are we doing here? We've got to mine the rich deposits, the wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. And there's a variety of it. We're talking about as you develop your people, as you develop their capacity and their core competencies. We want to move people from being specialists or silos to generalists where they are continually expanding their capabilities.